Welcome to the podcast for Resurrection Lutheran Church in Fredericksburg, Texas. I'm Pastor Buvinghausen. We will be doing something a little bit different today or this week, really. This will be our podcast episode for the week, which um, is a little bit different. We have been doing the Congregation at Prayer, which has hopefully been a good devotional resource for y'all. I have posted the most current... um, congregation at prayer for you and will continue to to do so. Those are very worthwhile things to do every day. But I want to do something different because I was going to take some time off doing this in advance. Take some time off for a couple days. Don't worry, I'll be back. And I wanted to look at the preppers, that's the text for this Sunday, April 26th, which is the third Sunday in Easter. Uh, otherwise known as Good Shepherd Sunday. And it's also known as Misericordias Domini. That's Latin. I'm not sure if I'm getting the pronunciation quite right. But I uh, would share that with you because we are on the one-year lectionary here at Resurrection. Um, it's different. Fr- there's, there's different lectionaries. We can get into that in some other sort of uh, episode uh, where I can talk about the differences between the lectionaries, the pros, the cons, things like that. Uh, most churches, I think, in the Missouri Synod, that's that's the um, confession that we are in, the, the, the denomination that we are in here at Resurrection, um, our specific brand of Lutheranism, uh, confessional Lutheranism, I'll add that, that um, most churches use the three-year lectionary. That means that... You have these three different years that you go through, and each each year focuses on some some other uh, focus of a different gospel. So, year A, B, and C. Year A goes through mostly the gospel according to Matthew. Uh, B goes through Mark. C goes through Luke, and John is kind of sprinkled in between all three. You still have the same major texts for your high feast days, uh, Easter, Christmas, um, things like that. But the one-year lectionary is, is, is known as the historic lectionary. It's known as the historic lectionary because um, this is the lectionary. I mean, we, we, we have retained the historic one-year lectionary fairly well, I think, in the uh, Missouri Synod, um, according to what I understand from it. I'm, I'm very new at being a pastor, but what I understand, it's very uh, still very good and recent. But we are on the one-year lectionary. The Latin misericordius domini comes from the first line of the introit, typically, and it does for this Sunday as well. Uh, misericordius domini means roughly, from what I understand, steadfast love of the Lord or mercy of the Lord. Um, it comes from the intro it for today. But before, we, uh, and the reason why we're doing this is because usually for Sundays, I don't know if I said this already, <laughs> but uh, this is one of my several takes of doing this. But one of the things we do at Resurrection is that we, on Sunday mornings before church, will have Sunday school. And Sunday school has been focused on the texts for the day so that people can get ready for what they're going to hear. They can listen more closely into what's going to be preached on, what's going to be read in the service. So that's hopefully what this will be for you, that you can get a better idea about what's going to be uh, 
what's going to be focused on, there's going to be, this is, this is all going to be very cursory. I'm not going to try to go too deep into this. I'll try to keep this about half, a, half an hour, 40 minutes at the very most. But this is to give you an understanding of a basic overall theme of the day. Even though it is Good Shepherd Sunday, we'll, we're going to look and see what that means. Um, we're going to see the, we'll stick with the basic texts of the Old Testament, the Epistle, and the Gospel. We might pull from the Psalm because it's very pertinent. It is Psalm 23 um, for today. But we will look at that and dive in a little bit, hopefully get you ready for Sunday morning, taking a look ahead at the propers for the day. Before we do that, let's begin with the collect for the day, um, which uh, sounds like this. So, let us pray. O God, through the humiliation of your Son, you raised up the fallen world. Grant to your faithful people, rescued from the peril of everlasting death, perpetual gladness and eternal joys. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. So we'll begin with our Old Testament text, which is very appropriate for this coming Sunday, which is known as Good Shepherd Sunday. Ezekiel 34, verses 11 through 16. So see if you can catch the, the shepherd themes in this, in this text here. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep. And I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, by the ravines, and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture, and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land, and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak, and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, you might have seen the themes of the shepherd here, right? This is God promising through Ezekiel that he will be the shepherd. But it's kind of funny. These texts, a lot of these, this Old Testament text and even the gospel text that we'll get into to today, I chose to be read at my ordination, uh, which was last July. And I had this read because I wanted it, I wanted not, o- not only everybody else, but for myself to hear who it is that's really doing the work in being a pastor in being the shepherd of the sheep, that I can't get too far ahead of myself. I can't become prideful in, you know, being the person in this office. Uh, But what I 
have to understand is that God is the one who is doing the work. I am an imperfect person. I'm a sinner. I am a sinful man. And I am not worthy to be called a shepherd. I'm not worthy to be called the shepherd of God's sheep. So the person that's actually doing the work is God through me. He is the good shepherd, right? And this has been promised all the way back in Ezekiel. And it's you see glimpses here, though, in the Old Testament. You can tell who is this talking about. And you can give the Sunday school answer of Jesus, right? This is talking about Jesus, right? Jesus is saying, I myself, you know, the Son, God the Son, the Messiah who would come and be the Lamb of God, and funny enough, also the shepherd of God's people. He will search for his sheep and he will seek them out. What's also interesting here, though, is this is in Ezekiel 34. It's beginning at the 11th verse and going on to the, only to verse 16. And I can remember a, a friend of mine at the seminary. He's a, a pastor up in Fort Wayne, Indiana. He works at a, a, a at the um, Lutheran High School there, actually. He is a, also an army chaplain, and he said that before he went into the seminary, um, the chaplain that he knew that he had talked to about becoming a pastor said, first, you got to read Ezekiel 34, and if you're okay with that, then I think, you know, if you read Ezekiel 34 and then go on from there and you still want to be a pastor, then I think you, you know, you, you get a better idea of what's going to be you know, going on with you. So um, if you go back to the beginning of Ezekiel 34, you see things like this, beginning at verse 1. The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, Ah, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding yourselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains and on, very high, and, and, and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth, with none to search or seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my sheep have become a prey and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts, since there was no shepherd, and because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep, therefore you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my sheep at their hand. And put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths, and they may not be food for them. 
And then that's when you get into the text for today, beginning at verse 11, where you see this condemnation against these shepherds that aren't doing their jobs. The people that were put in charge of God's people, the shepherds are falling asleep on the job. Not even that. They're doing worse than that. They are actively harming the sheep. They are devouring them in a very real way. There's this harsh condemnation for pastors here, this harsh reminder, I'll, you know, say that. It's this harsh reminder that you ought not to think so highly of yourself just because you're in this office. The office should be held in high regard, not necessarily you as a person. Right? You have to live up to the office. That's what I think the point is here, just from a cursory reading, that God is the one who is really doing the work. And sometimes he does his work in spite of you. <laughs> That's what's so humbling sometimes, especially for someone, you know, everyone has their problems. Everyone has their uh, proclivities. They, 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 they have their issues that, they, that they're working through, their pet sins, their pet um yeah, their pet sins that they're going through, their, their pet uh, peeves against themselves, their little um, picadillos, if you will, that someone else ha may, ha may feel uncertain in some ways. They may feel uh, insecure in whatever way they are. For me, I am insecure in a lot of ways because of my speech, because of my stutter. Um, I, I have a, a speech impediment, and, and you may think it doesn't sound so bad, and you may hear it sometimes, especially if you listen back on the congregation at prayer sometimes, and if you come to Resurrection and see, there will be times where I'll be up there in the divine service, and I'll re repeat phrases, I'll repeat whole phrases, actually, because I'm trying to do this thing that's actually probably not so great, but I'm, I'm trying to ease into the next word that's actually really tough for me to say. I'm going to have a disfluency. If I'm in conversation, it's not so bad. But if I'm reading and it's very structured, it can be very daunting. And I have to remember that in some ways, this is also um, comfort for pastors saying that God is the one who is the shepherd, right? He promises that he will search for his sheep, he will seek them out. He will do all that needs to be done in order for his people to be saved. And it's not so incumbent on the pastor and how eloquent he is, how good of a phrase he can turn, how, how wise he is in his understanding of the scriptures. I mean, surely these things are important. But you can't argue someone in, in, into the faith. You can't convince somebody by, purely by debate that being a Christian is the best thing possible for you, that it does require God's intervention, God's work in that and his work through his word. And But we as pastors preach the word in season and out of season. We preach the word with power. We're supposed to. We're supposed to preach God's word administer his sacraments, give these things for the good of the sheep. This is feeding the sheep, right? This is not feeding our own egos, 
our 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 own uh, pet hobbies with the church or something like that, but it is making sure that the, that the sheep get what they need to be fed. Right? That's what Jesus told Peter when he he asked him if he loved him, and he, and, Jesus, and Peter says, "Lord, you know I love you," and Jesus kept saying, "Feed my sheep." Right? That's what pastors have to do. That's what pastors are called to do. Uh, it's, it's what we get to do. It's a joy for us to do because hopefully the, f- the sheep enjoy being fed. <laughs> but God is the one who ultimately feeds his sheep with his word and with his sacraments, right? which have their power by the word, right? the word of God. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So we see this beginning here in Ezekiel 34 that God is the one who has promised to be the shepherd of his sheep, right? He seeks them out. He binds them up. He seeks the lost, brings back the strayed, binds up the injured, strengthens the weak, but the fat and the strong he'll destroy, right? He'll feed them in justice because typically the fat ones don't get fat without pushing the weaker ones out of the way, right? The selfish ones that the the selfish ones are the fat ones. Typically, this is the how how the image goes. That if you get fat as a sheep, um, you're kind of hoarding things and you're not sharing the good things with your brother or your neighbor, right? So he's talking about being a god of justice here as well. That he brings a balance to it all. Um, Do you want to think of it as this is part of the first will be last, last will be first issue as well? But as far as Ezekiel 34, that's that's a good cursory reading for that to kind of get you primed for that when it comes up in Sunday. We're going to move on now to our epistle uh, for this Sunday. The epistle is from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21 through 25. It reads... For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So you see here there's that continuation of that theme, right? The the shepherd, the overseer of your souls, right? This, um, uh, I'm kind of curious to see what this is in the Greek, if I could find it really quick, but I don't know if I can because this has got to keep going on. But you see here um, in, sec- in, in in 1 Peter chapter 2 that Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps, Right? He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. So you see this Jesus as example here, right? Um, I, th- I think some people can get 
myself included, get a little worried about this um, harping too much on this because there's so much out there in Christianity that that only sees Jesus as example, right? That he was just some good teacher, some moral leader of the people that calls for us just to be good, to be nice to our neighbor, to care for each other. But that's about it, you know? I think we... I get a little worried when I see, uh, I tread lightly when I see uh, this issue of Jesus as example, even though I really shouldn't because Jesus is our example. He is the perfection that we should strive for, right? He is the head of the body, which we should be growing in maturity towards all the time. But it gets a little worrisome sometimes because people will kind of hear mostly law in that talk. But really, there's so much gospel here as well, right? When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. And I think it's a good way to see just how we can view the scriptures and, and just what sort of orientation we take when we, te- when we take texts like this. And we see when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to, to him who judges justly. Right, you, you you can see something like this, and and I think I see so many things on Facebook nowadays too, where it's all just supposed to be feel good uh, stuff and moralistic stuff for Jesus, in that we are supposed to follow his example only in that way, right? We're supposed to follow that example. He was reviled. He did not revile in return. So he doesn't return evil for evil. That's good. That's really good. But the thing is, is that if we stop there, we stop so much short. We stop so much shorter than we should because next verse, it says, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. That right there, (laughs) I'd love to see someone read that in a law context saying, go and do that, you know, that, let that be an example. Let him be an example in that way. You know, that's, it's, it's kind of funny because Christ as example is always good because he is our example. But we also have to remember that he was perfect for us, that where we fall short, he fills the gap. Right? And he does even more than that. He gives us way more than that. He does all these things for us when we don't deserve it. He bears our sins in his body on the tree, right? On the cross, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. He says, But for you are straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. I think that you begin to stray when you read something like this, where you say, you know, be like Jesus, be reviled and do not revile in return. Don't threaten when you're suffering, you know, don't, you know, continue to entrust yourself to him who judges justly. All good. That's all good and well. Really, it is. It's fantastic. But don't forget that you can't start there. You can't start to act these things out without understanding what the good shepherd has done for you and laying down his life for you, right? For we always stray like sheep. That's why in the divine service, we've, all the way up until this pandemic hit, we were doing, we, that was another change I made, but it was something that I, you know, discussed with the congregation. 
I think that it's important that we have communion every week. Um, we have this wonderful gift that God has given us in giving us his, his body and his blood by promising to be in this specific location at a specific time, you know, not only to hear God's word and to feast on God's word, but to actually feast on the word made flesh, right? The, the, the incarnate son of God in the bread and the wine, the body and the blood of Christ for the forgiveness of sins, right? This mystery is fantastic, and it's something that we don't deserve, just like we don't deserve to be absolved of our sins. But we are. We are. Like straying sheep, the shepherd has found us, right? He has brought us back as the overseer of our souls. He cares for us. He is doing exactly what he promised to do in Ezekiel 34, right? He seeks the lost, brings back the strayed, binds up the injured, strengthens the weak, you know? He keeps us strong in the one true faith because he is the founder and perfecter of our faith after all. So we see this, this is a little cursory part here, cursory reading, 1 Peter 2, that Christ has suffered for you. He leaves you an example and you are to follow in his steps. And I think that we're seeing this in a way that is very new for us here in America, this pandemic going on, that we are suffering in ways that we never thought we would. And to be honest with you, though, we're not really suffering horribly compared to the way that other parts of the world suffer, but we're getting a good taste. And that's not to belittle, trust me, that's not to belittle what anything that anybody is going through, anybody who has died from COVID-19, the coronavirus, that is all awful. It is sad and we should mourn for those people and feel awful for them. We should also remember though that this discipline that God is bringing upon us in this coronavirus, this pandemic, is to make sure that we understand what it means to be Christians. To be Christians means that we are called to carry our cross, right? Christ has suffered for you and he leaves you an example that to be Christ-like is not to be extraordinary in the sense of <laughs> in the sense of healing or in the sense of declaring things like you'll see a lot of um, televangelists uh, do nowadays. In fact, I think that we should <laughs> pay attention to those who are saying some ridiculous things like, um, well, off the top of my head, because he's being roasted right now, someone like um, uh, Kenneth Copeland or something, like, I think that's his name, Kenneth Copeland, um, where he rebukes COVID-19 with the wind of God and even does a little thing where he spews out, you know, blows the wind of God and 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 by the you know he calls upon the authority of god to destroy the virus and i mean i guess you could see that as well intentioned but you know what you know what's paved with good intentions anyways we see this that to be a christian it really means to suffer it means to endure in suffering because when we face suffering in this world, we, when we are Christians, we see this world for what it really is, that it is full of sin, it's full of death, it's full of sickness and sorrow and pain and mourning, that the veil has been lifted before, you know, from before our eyes in a certain sense to say this world is not 
it's not all that great. It's really not all that, it's not what our flesh would like to chalk it up to be. It's imperfect. It is no longer good in the sense of God's creation as it was at the beginning, before the fall. It's no longer good in God's eyes in a lot of ways. To be sure, there's 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 majestic things out there in nature. I mean, being in Fredericksburg, in the hill country of Texas, we have beautiful scenery. And, and nature is just gorgeous. Um, but at the same time, we have to remember that this world is sinful. And as Christians, when we call out the world for what it is, we shouldn't expect for the world to really like us all that much. We should expect suffering. We should expect persecution. We should expect hardship because this is a hard pill to swallow. That when we are doing as Christ did and as, as the prophets as well did in calling out sin, calling people to repent, to turn from their sin and be forgiven by God, that we find out really quickly, people like their sin. They like to indulge in their sinful nature, their sinful flesh. And Christ suffered for them. He suffered for you. And that is part of the message that we have to tell people as well. Christ suffered for you and he leaves you an example, but he died for you. By his wounds, you have been healed, right? He has brought you back into his fold as the good shepherd. So I spent enough time on that in 1 Peter chapter 2. Let's move on to our gospel text for today, um, John 10, verses 11 through 16. Um, here we go. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, one uh, who, who, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice, so there will be one flock, one shepherd. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. So we see here in John chapter 10, this is one of uh, Jesus' um, statements of I am in the gospel of John, where he as, he as Yahweh incarnate is saying, I am the good shepherd. He, he says other in, in other places, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the door. I am, you know, uh, the light of the world. Or he, he says, I am, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And other, um, and he says even, you know, before Abraham was, I am, right? He is the one who is. He is the being one. Um, it was pointed out that if you see all these icons of Jesus and the, the halo that's around his head, you'll see these Greek letters and it says ha-on, right? The one, the being one, the one who is. That's the translation of the Greek from Exodus where Moses is speaking to God in the burning bush and God is sending Moses to Egypt and he said, and, and Moses asks God, he says, who shall I say has sent me when they ask? And God says, tell them that I am has sent you. 
right? He is the one who is. No one else is, right? It's this great thing where Jesus says, I am, but not only I am, I am the good shepherd, right? I am God for you in this way and in all these other ways too, that he is the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep, right? And there's this See, there's, there's an, an, another thing here, right? To, to see this false shepherd, this hired hand, this hireling that runs every time the wolf comes, right? That God is the one who really minds the gap, who really gets, gets in there and defeats Satan, right? There, before Christ, there were, as we saw in Ezekiel 34, that there were these shepherds who just didn't cut it, right? They, there were these sinful shepherds that might have done most good things, but they, at some point, their sinful nature got the best of them. They fell short. You know, you, you can even chalk this up to someone as great as David, right? He was supposed to shepherd his people in a way, and he failed them. He you know, not even to mention the issue with Bathsheba and things like that, but no human shepherd for God's people before Christ could ever fulfill that role perfectly, right? Not until Christ came along. We see here that this is a good reason that this is Good Shepherd Sunday, that our Lord Jesus is the Good Shepherd, Right, he's not like the uh, the hireling shepherds that came before him. You know, as much as they tried, they couldn't quite fend off against the enemy. Right, the wolf. Jesus is the good shepherd who seeks out his scattered sheep. Right, we see this foreshadowing from Ezekiel thirty-four that God makes this promise that you know i will seek the lost and i will bring back the strayed and i will bind up the injured and i will strengthen the weak and the fat and the strong i will destroy right i will feed them in justice this this understanding of who is the good shepherd it wasn't fully revealed until christ came and he lays down his life for the sheep he is the one who knows the sheep by name right I know my own, and they and my own know me, right? Uh, else, elsewhere, Jesus says, uh, my sheep know my voice, right? That when we hear his word, we know whether it is Christ talking or not, right? His sheep are able to tell the real from the counterfeit when it comes to God's word. That we see that Christ is the one that this is fulfilling everything for, that he is the good shepherd. Not that he lays down his life for the sheep and then he dies and then the wolf can have free reign of the sheep, but that the good shepherd Christ lays down his life for the sheep, but he doesn't stay dead, right? He doesn't stay dead. He rises from the dead and defeats the wolf of Satan totally. He brings ultimate victory for his sheep and he ushers them in and he fully fulfills Psalm 23. 
which is actually the psalm for this Sunday. Um, one of the things that I'd like to start doing, we haven't really gotten into it yet, but I'd, I'd like to add some more scripture to church. Imagine that. <laughs> um, you know, I'd like there, there. There are things we did, we don't do in in uh, in church that I'd like to start integrating. We 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 do the intro it, but I'd like to maybe do the psalm between the Old Testament and the epistle, or or a gradual or something like that, or the proper verse, uh, the Alleluia, and then and then the verse before the gospel. But the psalm that would go in place between the Old Testament and the epistle that is supposed to help gear your mind toward the focus for the day and to really make you meditate and think more about what is being said in uh, the scripture texts for the day, that this psalm for this day, I mean, it's obviously appropriate. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever." You know, it's kind of funny. I can remember going through this psalm a little bit on my last year at the seminary, which wasn't that long ago, but it was my last year at the seminary. I took a class on the Psalms. And for this, uh, my professor pointed out, he said, this is so weak. (laughs) This is so weak. He said, this is a week where it says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. But really, the Hebrew says something more along the lines of "It, it pursues you. It pursues you like like a hound, I guess. I don't, I don't think that's exactly how he put it, but it's it's like you're being hunted. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine that? Being hunted by goodness and mercy, right? The goodness and mercy of God is hunting you down. And it's kind of like what Augustine says in um, his, uh, con- I think it's his confessions, where he calls God the hound of heaven, right? The hound of heaven seeks you out you can kind of ascribe that to being a sheepdog, I guess. But, you know, the good shepherd pursues you. He doesn't just follow you around. You know, he, he pursues you. He, he hunts you down um, in a good way <laughs> without intent to kill, except to kill your sinful nature, but to give you life, right? Ultimately, that's the point, that God, the Son is our good shepherd. He comes, he lays down his life for us. He is the one who fulfills the prophecies. He is the one who comes and he takes away, bears your sin for you, and ultimately trades his life for yours. And does all this willingly, right? We just celebrated... Uh, Holy Week and Easter, the resurrection of our Lord not too long ago. And this should ever be before our eyes, that Christ is the one who has suffered and died for us. He has sacrificed himself on the tree for us, on the tree of the cross, right? On the cross, he bore in his body the attacks of the predators of sin and death and the devil for you so that you might be saved. And now he is risen, 
right? He is risen indeed, alleluia. He now lives to restore your soul in the still waters of baptism, right? Think about it that way, that he leads you beside still waters, the still waters of baptism that restore your soul, that (laughs) he leads you in the paths of righteousness by the voice of his word, especially in the gospel, right? He prepares his table of his holy supper that is serving his body and his blood before you so that you may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Right? To dwell in the house of the Lord is to be a child of God. You are at the table. You are an honored guest now that you have been covered with the blood of the Lamb. So this is something to rejoice in. We're about out of time here, but I just want to say this is something to rejoice in. You know, the good shepherd is not just, Christ is not just someone who just kind of follows around and wants us to do good. And it's kind of funny, Psalm 23 mentions a rod and a staff. And someone, I can't remember who asked me, but they said, why is it that there's a rod and a staff? What does that mean? Well, I can't remember which one it is, but I think the rod is the thing that actually... Uh, (laughs) you can think of it in a law and gospel context here, that the rod is what Christ uses. It's it's the law, right? It's the thing to kind of knock you back into place, to to, to make you realize that you've fallen off the edge. You've, You've gone astray, right? The rod is to kind of thwack you back into line. It's, it's, it's the sting of sin that we know because of the law. But his staff is what gently guides us along the way as well, right? It's, it's, it's keeping us together as the flock, as the body of Christ. This, this calling to repentance and then this leading you to the waters and to the table that will restore your soul. The leading you to remember your baptism and to be absolved of your sin, trusting that God has placed a pastor there to absolve you, to absolve you not in his power, not in the pastor's power, but in the power of Christ, right? In the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, you know, pastors forgive you all your sins. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, recalling your baptism, that you were baptized into the death and resurrection of Christ, that the shepherd has done all these things for you, The pastor is imperfect, but he is doing God's work for you. He is doing what he can, sometimes imperfectly, but he is doing what God has called him to do in feeding you his word, in feeding feeding you God's word, and feeding you that very word that is made flesh in the body and blood of Christ, right? So something to rejoice in, that Christ doesn't, just come and die and leave and leave us to our own devices. He doesn't just come and leave and then say, well, I'll be back someday. No, he comes every Sunday or every day. Nowadays, we're seeing how important it is to hold the Sabbath and how much the Sabbath means because of the word of God, that wherever people are gathered, I'm not going to say the two or three or you know, two or more are gathered, but wherever people are gathered around the altar to hear the word of God, and to receive the body and blood of Christ for the forgiveness of sins in the Holy Supper, it's, it, that is where Christ has promised to be. 
And he's also promised to be with you in your baptism. He's promised to be with you in a lot of different ways. I could go on and on and on and on and on and on about all these different ways that God is with you, that Jesus, the good shepherd, is watching after you. He is guiding you, leading you. The more that you stay in his word every day, following along with something, something like the congregation at prayer or just getting out your small catechism, following the daily prayers uh, as they are outlined for individuals and families in the hymnal, it's just in the Lutheran service book. I'll, be, I'll specify that. It's, it's when you make the sign of the cross in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen, you know, remembering your baptism, Christ is with you in that moment. When you read his word and you read his word of promise of, of, of salvation and forgiveness of sins, Christ is with you. He is in you, right? But especially, this isn't just an add-on, but it supersedes and goes above and beyond that God has given us the Holy Supper to eat and to drink the body and blood of Christ so that we can taste and see that the Lord is good, that that is the table, that is the, for, that is the table Christ prepares before us every Sunday, every Lord's Day, or whenever you can set up an appointment with your pastor, which by the way, if you want to come receive communion, you're in Fredericksburg and we're in, you're in fellowship with the LCMS or a member of Resurrection or, you know, or just inquiring or something like that. I have no problem talking to people about what it means to commune and you know, the price of admission is just membership here or at a LCMS congregation or, and, and other than that, it's free. <laughs> I mean, we don't we don't charge for the sacrament, but we will give it to those who are desiring it and who understand what they are receiving. Right? That I am called to examine you in that way to ensure that you are receive you you understand what you're receiving. But this body and blood of Christ is the meal. It's the table that Christ prepares before us. Right? That He promises to feed us in all these ways, over and above so that we could know that we are his children and that we are loved by him and that we are being taken care of by him, the Good Shepherd. Amen. Well, I hope you enjoyed this. Um, I went a little over time, but hey, you know what? That's a good thing. When you're talking about God's word, you can never have enough. But um, I hope you enjoyed this. This is a little bit of a supplement right now during this time of pandemic and uh, social uh, distancing and isolation. If you enjoyed this, uh, please uh, be sure to comment on Podbean or we're actually now on uh, Apple Podcasts, so you can leave a comment there if you'd like as well. Um, with that, I will uh, leave you there. That's just some some quick, quick and, you know, quick and, uh, quick and dirty, I guess you want to say. Uh, talking about the propers for Misericordius Domini, the third Sunday of Easter or Good Shepherd Sunday. Um, I hope that this has been a blessing to you, that it has helped you in your devotion, that it has helped prime you to hear God's word. Um, and if you'd like, please tune in to our YouTube channel, Resurrection Fredericksburg uh, on YouTube. We will be um, posting the Sunday morning services at 10.30 in the morning on Sundays on the dot, they're gonna be premiered, so you can watch them the same time as everybody else, and then they'll just be regular videos. Um, I'm trying to think of something else, but that's about it. Um, God bless you, uh, and God's peace be with you during this time, and uh, we'll do what we usually do. How about this? We'll do what we usually do when we close for Sunday school. Um, 
here at Resurrection, we'll close with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. God's peace be with you, and we hopefully will uh, get back on here soon and continue on with this. God's blessings.